everybody. Hi. Hello. <laughs> it, it's two o'clock Eastern. Uh, do your own time zone math on Friday afternoon. So it must be time for another kick-ass career conversation. Yay. Yay. I'm Kim. I'm Louise. And we have with us Malik. Yay. I got two <laughs> you're you're all good. You're well, like absolutely entitled to be excited. Um, we are excited to have you here. And even though we were just bemoaning the Canadian versus España uh, weather differential, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We 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 don't begrudge you from living. I, I have a sweater on. It's just clear. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> No, nor should you be wearing a sweater when you are in beautiful <laughs> Valencia. Not at all. <laughs> um, so we will introduce you in just a little bit. Um, as we start every week, what are we celebrating? Like, what what's going on in our worlds that we're celebrating? Oh, good gosh, so much. <laughs> <laughs> Louise, you know that question is coming every week and you were like a deer in headlights. You're like, what? I know. I'm like, what What do I get to celebrate with it from a, from a long list of things this week? Um, yeah, I, I don't, I am super excited about uh, my business. I feel like right, we're kind of landing into kind of this Q3 in my business, but Q4, how do we round out the year and thinking about some new and exciting opportunities and ways to kind of get in and uh, tickle my funny bone anyways. Um, and that makes me excited when I can think about ways uh, to not just bring uh, excitement into my business, but how am I uh, helping others and their jobs and their careers bring excitement back to theirs. Um, so that's been a big part of my week, um, looking at like some rebranding and just like fun things like that too. Um, always gets that creative juices flowing and gets me excited. So that's kind of my uh, my space I'm stepping into this week. How about you, Malik? What are you celebrating? Uh, let's see. Well, I have cool new glasses. That is <laughs> celebratory for me. But on a, on a work level, this has been a week of actually getting stuff done, which feels really good. Uh, and so I'm in celebration mode for that and that it's Friday. It's Friday and it's Friday evening. And so we appreciate yeah. you being live on a Friday <laughs> evening with us. Like, that's pretty amazing. So thank you. Yes. Thanks um, for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. I am celebrating um, that I just got back from a glorious six days in um, St. John's, Newfoundland and Halifax, Nova Scotia um, with my husband. And it was just the two of us. Like we got to go have adult fun. He was working and we got to have adult fun. So, and I did a little bit of work too, which was lovely. Um, I love that I, my uh, business goes with me wherever I go. Um but it was, it was two places. I, I'd been to Nova Scotia, but I hadn't been in Halifax and I'd never been to, to Newfoundland. And it was absolutely glorious. It Seriously, it was beautiful and wonderful. And it had been seven years since um, my husband and I had had an opportunity to travel, just the two of us, um, without our kiddo or without our kiddo and my mom, which is always fun. And this was a different kind of fun. And that it was... Yeah, I'm definitely celebrating that. And and I'm celebrating 
um, through that, having an opportunity to talk through some things that I didn't know I needed to talk through, <laughs> right? Because like you get this chance to be alone with your partner and all of a sudden things come up and it, it wasn't about our relationship. It was really about things for me and, and, um, and having an opportunity to explore that without being time bound. Because it's the other thing, right? When you're at home, it's right. It's all the things you're having to do, and to not be time bound to have to have more of a Spanish flair to it, where we could just sit and and just enjoy the conversation. Um, it was really, really, really lovely. So I'm definitely celebrating that um, in a big way. So love it, love it. Yeah. Um, so before we dive any further into this, um, what I know is going to be a super fun conversation, Malik. Let me let the world know who you are and your amazing zone of genius. Shall I do that? Okay. It, it's not uncomfortable to hear this about yourself at all. No, I, was, I was just guesting on a podcast this past week and some they read my bio and I was like, oh, hey. Hey. <laughs> that, that's okay. me. Right. All right, here we go. So, and I love this first sentence in your bio because like it's this could be full stop, right? Malik Turley did not set out to be a change instigator, right? Like that in and of itself is brilliant. But her initial goal was to simply create opportunities for women to move their bodies without the layer of self-loathing that seemed to permeate the spaces she found herself in. Gyms were all about getting smaller and throwing shade on the current state of the body. Dance studios were all about being smaller and competing against the person standing next to you. And even yoga studios weren't really safe, though mostly because their inhabitants spent time in gyms and dance studios and brought their baggage with them into class. Malik wanted another option, and when she didn't find it out in the world, she made it herself. Now, 18 years after teaching her first dance class and one year away from being a yoga therapist, Malik is still working to change the world. She sees the negative impact of diet culture and how pervasive its messaging is and wants to be a part of rewriting the script. She sees how much strength and wisdom is in the people around her and wants to be an amplifier of that wisdom. She sees the power of movement and wants to make it truly accessible. And now through her business, Tapas Movement, Malik is using the power of movement and community to dismantle diet culture and change the world. <laughs> That's it. We're done, folks. You now heard the brilliance. Mic drop. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for doing this amazing work, Malik. I mean, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, you're welcome seems like the wrong answer to that. But thank you for the thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, what was the, say the first line again, Kim? Um, the first line, which is just brilliant, Malik didn't set out to be a change instigator. Tell me what you set out to be. Like, tell, tell, tell the world, right? Like, how, how did you get here? Like, this, this isn't a change instigator isn't a job title that we pick or, uh, right? A, uh what am I trying to say? Like a play, what we study in school, right? right. No None career counselor says, do you want to be a change instigator? Yeah. That's not, right. That's not on the list. Would the world be though, if they did. Right. You know, I'm down with that. Just saying. Um, but yeah, so I didn't like the honest answer is I didn't really set out 
to be anything. I just was doing what was in front of me, right? I, I have a tendency to be placed in situations and um, I have a, 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 an innate desire, I guess, to make those situations better or as awesome as they can be. And sometimes that's fun. And sometimes I imagine it's probably annoying depending on the situation. But in this context, it has served me well. Um, I really, it really did come from being in spaces that I, I didn't feel comfortable in and I saw other people not being comfortable in them. And I wanted to fix that. And then it just sort of, like I was trying to fix something small and it turned into fixing something on this grander scale or hopefully fixing something on a grander scale. So. What's the, what's the, tell me a little bit about kind of like those, that, I can't even speak today because it's cold here. Um, <laughs> but I want to know like, like, what the, the, that career path been like for you? So you here you are kind of like doing what's been put in front of you. Give us a taste of like, what are some of those things that were in front of you that maybe fit or didn't fit? Sure. Well, I my very first official job was teaching swimming. So that's not super normal uh, to little kids, teaching swimming to little kids. And that was just something I liked being in the pool and it just was an option. I went, okay, I can do that. Um, and, and that led to being a camp counselor, which led to realizing that I like having people that like showing people what to do, showing people how to do, but I put that on the back burner. Then I waited tables and worked at bookstores, which told me that I really liked interacting with people more than maybe sitting behind a desk, for example. Um, and then I got my first grown-up job, which did involve a desk, but it was a pretty relaxed environment, uh, being a receptionist. And in that space, I was not afraid of computers. And so my boss, pulled me out of being a receptionist and I turned into the entire tech support for the small company, which then turned into being a certified network engineer. I don't, I ask for help now with Wi-Fi, but at the time, <laughs> Wi-Fi, I, I was, I was in it to win it. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're contagious, Louise. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But that, um, that career took me to California and enabled me to get a job uh, in California when we wanted to move there. But the volatile industry of technology in California meant that I got to be laid off for the first time. And then they sent me to a, like a camp for figuring out what I wanted to do next. It was part of my severance package. And there, I remembered that I liked teaching, that I did in swimming and in little kids' school. So we merged teaching and tech, and I taught technology. So then I was doing that and fell into doing doula work because I had an opportunity to support a friend when she had her first baby. Um, so I'm, by day, I'm a tech support person. By evening, I'm a birth and postpartum doula and teaching childbirth ed. 
which then made teaching people how to double, double click not quite so powerful. <laughs> so go away and the dual, the dual work came in a little bit higher. And, uh, and then through that, I was teaching also childbirth ed and working with women on getting ready for their pregnancy, which helped me see how disconnected so many of us are from our body. At the same time, I took my first belly dance class and found a way into my body that I didn't even know was possible. So then started bringing that into my doula work and that grew into fitness and movement overall, which turned into making a space just for women to move without all of the baggage that Kim read in my intro which made it so doula work didn't work anymore. So now I'm just moving with women. And uh, then that led to forming a nonprofit, which led to seeing how uh, at the core, this, the impact of diet culture is on everything else that I was working with women about. And so when an opportunity presented itself for me to refine what it was that I was doing, I decided that's the thing that I want to focus on. But I don't ever only do one thing. So I'm also in school to be a yoga therapist, which still is connected, though it is a slightly different path. And here we are today. And you're also a phenomenal artist. I do that. Yeah, I paint. Thank you. I, I paint. I write. I do other things, too. But those are fun time things, not... Uh, not my official like work. Right. And yet it's the totality of you, right? Because yes. I know we've had conversations about the different aspects of work. Yes. Right. Because writing is a component of work for you, even though it's yes. fun. Yes. It's also something that you do as a business. That's true. That is true. So I, I what I love is because we talk a lot about um, crafting our careers. Mm -hmm. And so, and very many of us, myself included, when those opportunities arise for us to potentially do a shift, right? It doesn't have to even be a full pivot, but just a shift. It's like, oh, let me explore that and let me explore that. And, let, and so it's that, it's finessing, right? What I heard you do, it's like really finessing so that where you are at this point in your life, you're now able to bring together different threads of your interest mm -hmm. Um, and of your passion and of your zones of genius to then create something in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So kudos to you for doing that because, right. And it's, it was not even like you didn't, you didn't graduate and say, this is how I'm going to do it. It was being really in the moment and aware of what was happening and allowing yourself to experiment. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. Uh, allowing myself to experiment and not being willing to only do one thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I right that multi-passionate nature um, where it's this, this, this is me in totality. Right. And I'm not willing to just put myself into a little box. Right. Yeah. So with this theme that we have today in our conversation of moving beyond expectations, was there ever an opportunity or a time um, in your life where people were like, what are you doing? Like, how are you, how are you, why are you doing that? Like, that, that's not what's expected of you. 
are there people for whom that is not a daily uh, conversation? <laughs> I feel like that's my whole life. People going, wait, you do what right now? <laughs> so yes, the short answer is yes. I, I think that none of the things that I have done have been uh, expected either because it was so so different from whatever I was doing right before mm-hmm. or just inherently it seemed outside of my personality, my whatever. Um, definitely when I was working in the technology field, that snuck up on me and everybody else, you know, so that I absolutely defied or moved beyond expectations as well as you know, if you knew me then and then you met me 10 years later and I said, oh, actually, I teach dance and fitness, there would be a, a weird gap there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also on an expectations level, I did not follow a traditional path educationally. So any number of jobs I've had have been outside of expectations because I don't have a piece of paper that says I can do the thing that I do. Um, and then we could also, you know, dig into race and gender. And in that way, I'm, I'm also living beyond expectations, but beyond the expectations of people who maybe I don't so much care what they expect, but that's. Well, but I think that's an important part of it, right? Is, is there's societal cultural expectations. There's, familial expectations, right? Mm -hmm. Community expectations. And then there's our expectations. Right. And I feel like that last one, most people really struggle with that last one. It's like, I can try and live up to all these other things, but living up to my own is really hard. And it almost sounds like from an external point of view that that was more your driver. The, which is my driver. The, the, your internal expectations. It wasn't about. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely don't. Uh, I don't think I've ever really been in a position where those external expectations were important to me. Um, sometimes I maybe didn't even notice because I was just bopping along doing my own thing. But when I do stop to notice, I... I bristle a little because generally speaking, the expectations that the outside world has of me are so small that I'm not going to choose to to hang out in that space. I, I, that just won't happen. Uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely intrinsically motivated uh, in individual tasks, but also in big global things like what do I want to be when I grow up? When, I'm still when waiting. You grow up. <laughs> Just having a conversation about adulting. I'm like, We're, uh, well, you know, even in that question, I think it's like we forget that the that the the I wanna piece. Like, what is it that you want? And then, like, how do you bring that closer? Instead of right, it usually sounds like, what should I do? Right. What should I do next? 
right? And then then we're looking outside for somebody else's path or progression, especially in career or in how to build a business, right? What should I do? What should I what should I write about this week? What should I put out as an offering? What should I apply for? What should I train? What should I upskill? What should and we should should should. And just by taking a step back and and saying, okay, well, but what could I do? What do I really want to do? And and that's like when when you like your career is absolutely a crayon on a piece of paper, right? It's a big old scribble. And and some of it I think is intentional, especially when I hear your story about like the latter part of your career, kind of like this this real blooming part of your career has been very intentional. But at the beginning, sometimes it, it isn't. And we just are we're kind of handed these opportunities or somebody sees something in us that we don't see. And then we're like, Oh yeah, I should do that. And we go and do that. And we kind of forget that we're in charge of what we want to bring into our lives career wise. Um, And it's okay for a little while because we're gathering experiences and right. Things like that. As long as we come out of that should right? As long as we blossom into a place where it's like, no, 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 now, now I'm the driver. And what do I want to do when I grow up? What do I want to be? What do I want to have in my life? Well, even if it's seasonal, right? I mean, I know several of my clients, so most of my clients are entrepreneurs and several of them are, are, have the guilt that they're coming to me. They're like, I just want to have a job right now. I'm like, okay, cool. Then go get a job. How can I help you with that? Right. That doesn't mean that you're a failure. It does it just means in this season you want something different than what you have right now. It also acknowledges how hard being an entrepreneur is. Mm -hmm. It not that not that having a job doesn't have hard moments. I get that. There's an incessantness to driving your own business Mm -hmm. that is exhausting. It is just exhausting. And uh, I, I I have days where I'm like I could just go. Do you know when I when I have rough days I fantasize about like going and working at um, like a like a natural food store mm-hmm. or like a <laughs> store where you go to work and you have a concrete task like you take books from the back and you put them on the shelf or you like take a box of cereal and you put it where people can buy it. And then, then there's a bell that goes off and it's time to go home and you just leave all the cereal or the books wherever they were and you go home and you come back another day. <laughs> there are days I'm like, that sounds really, really compelling. Yeah, yeah. And, and for many people, having the freedom to say, I'm making the choice to go back to work. I'm making the choice to not be an entrepreneur in this season of my life. Or to make the choice to say, I'm leaving employment to become an entrepreneur. So, and the the freedom in that choice comes from when we are aligned with ourselves, right? When we can listen to our intuition, when we can listen to our inner knowing, as you did, as you moved through those different seasons in your career that you mentioned, right? Having that ability to say, right now, this is what's most aligned with me and not getting hung up on, I'm supposed to be doing one thing. 
I'm supposed to be doing this thing for my whole life. I'm supposed to be climbing this ladder and this is what this looks like. That's what, that's not what career or life crafting is about. Career and life crafting is about this idea of figuring out from season to season, what is working for you and creating some intentionality around that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like, it, it's what, what do I want to experience next? Or what do I want to learn next? Or what do I want to, like, I always see it as like a, well, because I'm in Winnipeg, a snowball, right? As we <laughs> roll down a hill or, right, where we we want to collect these things so that we're different when we reach the bottom of the hill. The last thing we want to do is bust ourselves open and be less than, um, but finding that intention um, and, and saying like, well, no, this is the thing I want now. Right. I, I do, I do need a little cereal and more cereal in my life. And so let's bring that in. Um, because I know what's expected of me. And I think that's another thing too, when we kind of come back to moving beyond expectations, sometimes we're in a role or we're doing stuff that we know exactly what's expected of us. Mm-hmm. Right. We know exactly what to do when we walk in the door. Uh, we know. Ex- right. We have this list of tasks. And as we mature in our leadership or in our entrepreneurial pursuits, we get more and more things that we just don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to explore the idea of expectations in the idea mm-hmm. of, of diet culture hustle culture, right? All of that, that kind of goes together. Um, and I know you talked um, with a mutual friend of ours about kind of financial hustle, right? Uh, all of that. So um, being in that hustle, being in that diet culture, how big of a part do expectations play? Oh, they're the hugest part. And they're, and they're false expectation or their manufactured expectations and they're definitely coming from an outside place though we very easily internalize them because they're designed to be internalized um but this idea that there is a right way to be there's a right size to be there's a right shape to be there's a right uh, weight to be there's a right age all of those are creating expectations for us that may be actually impossible. I don't use that lightly, but I'm reasonably sure that it would be impossible for me to wake up tomorrow 22. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I'm still going to wait. When I wake up tomorrow, God willing, I will still be, how old will I be? 52, right? There's nothing I can do to change that, but diet culture has a narrative that says, oh, you're old, you probably should make yourself look like you're young because that's the right way. And so anything that you do that isn't that is wrong. So we get these external messages of us being inherently wrong. And then that trickles down into every other aspect of our lives. Because if we're inherently wrong, Probably I'm wrong in my conversation at work, or probably I'm wrong in my interaction with my friends, or probably I'm, right? Because we've we've internalized that idea that what we are, who we are, is flawed. I mean, we are all flawed beings, but, you know, is, is fatally flawed. 
and not to be trusted. Yeah. Yeah. So Crystal is over on uh, uh, YouTube, our YouTube channel right now. And she said, oh my God, yes, we need to change the perception of age. Oh, Crystal. How many hours do we have for this broadcast? Not enough <laughs> hours. So, so important. Um, this is also an answer to the, like, I didn't mean to be a change instigator. I genuinely didn't. And I don't, well, now I sort of do, but I don't, didn't set out to. But one thing where I will get on my soapbox, no matter where I am or what the scenario is, is if someone says to me, you don't look old enough to have your kids, old enough to have been married for as long as you have been, old enough to be whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I will stop them. And I'm like, I do because I am. And this is what I look like. So you look however old you look, and I look however old I look because we are our age. And if we just owned that and walked around with a big sign on our chest that said, I am 52. Like when you're a kid and it's your birthday, you get a big button that's like, I'm seven. We need to keep those because <laughs> then we get a, a better sense of what, what does 52 look like? What does 78 look like? You don't know you have this media idea of what old people look like and what young people look like and the young ones are right and everybody else is wrong. Right. So, sorry, soapbox, wrong topic, but. No, I'm no, but I think it is because it absolutely goes into this idea of moving beyond expectations, right? The right. expectation that when you are a certain age, you are going to look a certain way and that being a certain age is valued more than other ages. Yes. Right. And that, uh, I mean, there is, a, this is one of the many bizarre conversations that my husband and I had this weekend was that when I've not been to a plastic surgeon, I know people who have, and they will go in and they'll say, so how many years would you like me to take off? What? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel as though I've done a lot in the years I've been on this planet. And if you took those years away, then where did all that stuff that I did go? Where do all those experiences, that knowledge that I've gained, it's all there because I've been on this planet for as long as I have. And so I want to keep those. I don't want to have my 29th birthday again. I'm not here for that. Put 52 candles on my, my face. Like, don't. Anyway, yeah. So, so we are told that youth is the right um, time of our lives and that anything outside of that is essentially wasted. You're just kind of taking up space and getting in the way. And when we think about that in terms of women and how we are gaining knowledge as we age, but we are not recognized as being valid humans with all of that knowledge, we're also then not recognizing the, the, intelligence or the knowledge or the wisdom that we bring to any scenario. And if we're spending so much time thinking about how to make ourselves smaller and younger, we're probably not communicating all of the wisdom that we have because we're distracted and we're tired and we are uh, small. And never worthy. And never worthy. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's the, it's this invisible standards, right? That we're holding ourselves up to. We can't even really grab a hold of them. Uh, for years, I struggled with my birthday. I hated having my birthday, right? Every year it would come around and I would be like, I, I just can't. 
And it was because I was holding myself up to like some invisible expectation or invisible standard that I should have X, Y, and Z by this time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I should, I should be right. I should be married. I should be further along in my career. I should have kids. I should. Right. And every year the birthday felt like a reminder of how I failed and didn't mm-hmm. up to those expectations. Right. Until I finally got tired of that. Because you're right, it's a huge energy leak. It just robs us from all of the things that we could be doing in the world. And it keeps us busy thinking about how I've failed some invisible test, um, right? And, and, and it wasn't until I was like, you know what, enough is enough. And to turn the tables to say, hey, like, yeah, I do own it, right? Like, I'm... I'm let's, let's celebrate, let's celebrate all the things that not only did I do in this last year, but all the things I still have to do, or I still want to do, or I still get to do. Right. And, and it really is. And I think we do. And it it happens everywhere in our lives, right. With our relationships, with how we look, with our health, uh, with our jobs, with our finances, uh, you name it. Right. Um, We, create and we have these invisible expectations that we can't even really name sometimes. Um, but it does, it sucks us of our energy. So you mean you, you didn't get the, the owner's manual when you were born? <laughs> I thought I was the only one that didn't get it because it certainly seems like everybody's walking around with some owner's manual that I have not figured out how to use yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think the owner's manual would just say, stay young. Because the people who wrote the other people are the ones who are, you know. Stay young, stay thin, right? It's that's stay young, stay thin, all the things. Stay white, unfortunately. (laughs) Yes. Get white, like, you know, work your way towards that. Yeah, straighten your hair, do all the things, right? All the things, all the things. Because as humans, we, I feel like we have this the desire to fit in. And so we've created these, these norms of what it looks like to fit in. Right. And for me, adding to the celebratory bucket right from earlier is when I see our 13 year old daughter with her friends, it's totally different than how we grew up. Because they're, they are having the dialogue about how they're, how they're different and how can we accept those differences, right? Absolutely, a lot of it is around sexuality and gender identity. I mean, they're 13, 14 years old, and, and that's to be expected um, of that age. And yet it's, it is so refreshing to think that, that there's an opening for that generation to maybe say, we don't need an owner's manual. We get to figure it out for each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So I do have to share what my husband just put into the comments because I think it's funny. My owner's user manual is simply a front cover and a back cover, no table of contents and no written directions on any page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, babe, I think that's pretty much everybody's, but we don't think so. We think right. that there's something out there that we're supposed to know. Well, and again, anything that we would have been handed uh, is is going to be faulty. 
So I remember when I got pregnant for the first time, I'm not going to name anything, but when I got pregnant for the first time, there was a book that everybody read. And it was like, it was almost like it came with the pregnancy test. Like you just, I don't know, you just magically got this book. Got and three copies. Book. <laughs> three copies were given to me. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that book was, I read it cover to cover and I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm terrified now, mm -hmm. but I'm ready because I have all the information in the book. What I didn't know at the time is how much that whole book was written from a place of fear and that that created in me a whole host of worries that like really I didn't need to have that then primed me to be a pretty anxious parent when I first started right and uh, and maybe even into second and third but by the time I had my third kid I knew I knew better but it took me three kids right and, and that's an owner's manual written by someone else with an agenda. Their, their agenda is to sell their book. Their agenda is to, you know, do whatever. So they're writing that book from their perspective, which does not match my experience or my goals or my whatever. But my book was like Danny's. It was blank on the inside. So I just took theirs and stuffed it in. And that's what that's what happens with these societal norms is they are handed to us. They fill up our book because we're not paying attention. And before you know it, you're at the back and you're like, wait, something doesn't feel quite right. But if we don't have someone else who's also doing that, doesn't feel quite right, how do we ever know? to, to put something else in that book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I got, I read through the, I read the whole thing cover to cover. Right. Um, I filled out the checklists. Oh yes. Um, somewhere into my second trimester where nothing that I was going through matched what was like, the answer wasn't in the book mm -hmm. and the number of doctors that I was seeing for different things. Like there was nothing wrong with my pregnancy, mm -hmm. but I know my body fairly well. And I was like, I don't understand what's actually happened. Could somebody please help me? It took a team of people with different ideas for me to then figure out for myself, ah, this from over here works and this from over here works and that from over there works and the rest of it, I'm letting go, right? Um, Louise and I have a shared mentor who would always say, take what works and leave the rest. Sure. Right. And that's what I don't think enough people do that because we look at these user manuals um, that we think exist and we go, this is ex this is what it's supposed to look like. And if it's not, there's something wrong with me. Right. Well, we do that because that's how those books are written. Yeah. Not, 100%. Not, not necessarily that book that we were talking about, but yeah, I mean, yeah. the, the hypothetical book is written. We are we have to in order for it to work we have to have that self-doubt mm -hmm. we have to start from that well they must know the answer and we don't have yet enough resources out there there aren't enough people seeking the other alternatives to to make it easy to to say no what you're telling me is wrong you know, because people in positions of power or authority are sending these messages. So you go to your doctor 
and they say, hop on the scale. And you go, well, there must be a reason to hop on the scale because this professional human told me to do so. Well, except that there's a, there's a handful of professional humans who are saying, actually, we don't need that data. Actually, what you weigh doesn't tell us anything like truly useful unless you actually start losing weight rapidly. That's more likely to be a problem than gaining weight. But again, you know, our, our society says losing weight is something to be congratulated. Gaining weight is something to be apologized for. Mm-hmm. And you have to find that doctor who gets it because nine doctors out of 10 are still in the automatic, we get you on the scale because that's what we learned in school. So it's, it's I, I point that out because sometimes when I start talking about diet culture and, and how insidious it is, I see people internalize that too and are like, oh, I'm doing bad because I have bought into this. And you've bought into it because it's been sold to you really, really well and completely. So we have to give ourselves some some grace that, oh, it's okay. It's okay to just now, if today is the first time you've heard that you don't have to get on a scale of the doctor's office, that you can say, no, thank you, and, and, and your visit will continue apace. Like, nothing will be broken. You can just say no, and then you move on. But you maybe never heard that. So you are however old you are. You've been on, got on that scale however many times. What are you going to do tomorrow? Or at your next doctor's appointment? Might you start a conversation or do something different? But we all have, there's got to be some nugget. And that's where the accidental change instigation comes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've, I just looked at the time and I know that we could continue, like how many hours? Absolutely. How many hours could we dive into this? And um, I know Malik, you and I have talked about how we might be able to um, continue the conversation as well in other ways. So stay tuned, world. More to come. Um, I would love to circle back and just see what our golden nuggets, what are our takeaways from today's conversation? I think for me, it was this whole visual of like taking somebody else's book and like stuffing it between right our front and back cover and then thinking that's our story. Um, and there's no blank pages in there for us to write our own. And that was just for me, a really power visual, powerful visual to, to say like, Hey, like, where am I stuffing? Right. It's okay to create a scrapbook, right? Little things here and there that are, that you want to pull in intentionally into your book, but don't take somebody's book and just stuff it into your cover. Um, yeah, I really liked that visual. That was kind of my nugget from today. So thank you. Well, Eek, how about for you? I think remembering that though I talk about this stuff all the time, that doesn't mean that everybody hears about it all the time. And so to give myself grace, because for all that I will stand on the soapbox for days on some things, I, I, I want to remember that sometimes the things I'm saying, it's the first time someone else has heard it. Yeah, absolutely. I have to remind myself of that all the time. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've said this, you know, a gazillion and four times, but this is the first time you've heard it or the first time it, it clicked for you. 
for me, the my takeaway um, early on, Malik, you said that um, something along the lines of the expectations other have uh, others have on us. So external expectations are what keep us small. Mm-hmm. And that I just the way that you said that really stuck with me. And so I just wanted to thank you for that little nugget that I'm going to put in my pocket. And we're going to just let that grow. And I'm sure it will, because absolutely, um, we don't need to be we don't need to be keeping ourselves small. And in particular, we don't need to be using somebody else's user manual to keep us small. So thank you for that. Sure. Malik, where in the world can people connect with you if they want to continue this conversation with you directly? Yeah, so I run Tapas Movement, is which is an online community that's focused on having this and many more conversations and moving at the same time. So that's one way if you want to go all in with me. I also publish uh, articles on Medium through Tapas Movement. So that would be a way to get conversation nuggets or different things to think about as you're moving through your day-to-day life. Beautiful. Um, And both her writing and the community are fantastic places to also continue the conversation with Malik, but with also other like-hearted people who are um, looking to understand more, right? It's like so many of these conversations that thankfully we're having, which is creating, which are creating change in the world. They're not always comfortable. In fact, they're usually quite uncomfortable. And yet we walk away from them with new knowledge that we then get to create our own user manuals from. Right. Because while Malik is absolutely, this is her zone of genius, I'm going to say she doesn't have all of the answers for all of us. I do not. Just like Louise and I don't have all the answers for everybody. Sometimes we think we do. Well, I mean, again, it's like we can't have all the answers. People have the answers. Right. We just have a lot of questions to help you find the answers. Lots of questions. Louise, do you know what's happening? Sort of. I know it's about financial literacy, right? And it's Angel. Angel Padulo, yes. Uh, so Angel Padulo is actually an, an amazing human who um, is creating opportunities for women um, and and teens to learn about financial literacy and in particular about angel investing. And her name is really Angel and she teaches about angel investing. I love it. It's phenomenal. <laughs> I can't wait for next week. Malik, thank you so much for coming in on a Friday evening um, to spend some time with us and to have this conversation. An absolute joy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I very much appreciate the the invite and the conversation has been wonderful. Uh, it's very nice to see your face again, Malik. Um, absolutely. So uh, thanks everyone for tuning in today um, for another kick-ass career conversation. Um, and we'll see y'all soon. Bye everyone. Bye for now. <laughs>